Praise the Lord. So we're just going to pray and go right in. Lord, I thank you so much for um, everything that you're going to do today. We thank you because this is a wonderful time of discussion um, to learn more of what you have for us tonight, God. I pray for each and every one of us who are here, who are going to be speaking from this pulpit, God, that you you continue to direct our words um, to say the things that your spirit will lead us to say. And I pray for each hearer, including ourselves, that, Lord, that we would hear what you have for us, God, and our hearts will be receptive to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to RG Takeover Thursday. We're so glad that you joined us. If you're tuning in online or you're here in person, uh, we're glad you joined us. And we're going to be having an awesome discussion today. Um, I'm excited. I hope you're excited too. Uh, our topic today is faithful stewardship. Uh, we're going to be talking about, you know, what faithfulness looks like because uh, we know that God has called us to be faithful with the things that he's handed over to us, whether it be our time, our money, our relationships, family, um, talents, roles that we play, all types of things. God wants us to be faithful, but we want to better understand what it's like to be faithful and how, you know, we can get there and stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, before... Without further ado, you know, I'm just going to introduce myself. I'm Evangel, um, and I'll let my panelists introduce themselves, too. Uh, my name is Okechuku Imogo. My name is Adana Irona. And my name is Chukas Ndokwe. My name is Favor. Awesome. So, yeah, we have an awesome lineup today of people. These people are, trust me, you'll see, you'll see. So um, let's just begin by asking, you know, what is faithfulness? What is faithfulness and what does that look like? Just so we even understand what we're talking about. What is faithfulness and what does that look like to be faithful? Okay. So faithful, when I think about faithfulness, I think about trustworthiness. Right, um, something has been committed into your hands, and you're diligent to do that thing. Right, you're not slacking, you're not slouching, and you're doing it willingly. It's coming from your heart. Um, I think someone said this past Sunday, you know, God is a cheerful giver. Right, when it talks about giving, it's not only just your money; it's also like your time, your everything. You're cheerfully giving whatever it is to God, and you're doing it diligently because you committed yourself to that. Uh, praise the Lord. Um, for me, I um, equate faithfulness to uh, word, you know, agreeing to do something and doing it so that whoever is dealing with you can actually count on what you say. And um, I, I like to read uh, some... 1382, where David said, I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you, have, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. So David's trust in God is due to the fact that God has exalted his name above all things. So what he says he would do, he would do. So when we come back to us, when you said you would do something, 
There are, somebody can ask you to do something and you just, just say, okay, without even thinking about it. And then you go ahead and you don't do it. You're not trustworthy. That person will not have faith in you. But when you say, I will do something and you do it, every time you say something, somebody can actually hang their life on it. That is what is called faithfulness. Praise the Lord. I, I just want to add something extra. Um, Deuteronomy, uh, because you asked, like, can we give an example of what faithfulness looks like? In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, it says, Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations. Can you imagine? He keeps his covenant. Like, it doesn't cha- he doesn't change. It, it, there's no iota of shifting with him, right? And it says, and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commandments. But the the one that I really want to bring out from there is that he keeps his com- uh, com- um, covenant. covenant. He keeps his covenant. So that means that, like, God, like, when he speaks a word, he, just does, he doesn't speak it just, like, um, anyhow, right? He thinks about what he's going to say before he says it because he knows that he's committed to doing that word. Just like why we, you know, trust the word of God. We said that, like, God doesn't lie because we know his word is believable. We can trust in his word that he will never fail, you know. Wow. So faithfulness also has to do with, you know, taking account of the things we actually say with our mouth, knowing that if I'm saying this thing, I really mean it and I can carry it out. So um, that being said, I mean, the, the, the question that comes to mind is, like, how can we actually be like that because it sounds like if we're saying that a faithful person is somebody that um if they say something you can really count on it and we mentioned the we mentioned how god is faithful for a thousand generations how can a human being be that way in a way where you say something and everybody knows all right if you said it it's cool we know we could count on it how can we be like that because that sounds like a high expectation for a human being Okay, so just to kind of um, answer the question, I think um, how can we be as Christians um, just like our Heavenly Father? I think that's sort of how you talk, your, um, what you're saying. So I think it's really, um, I think John 15 actually brings it out. It's us going to him, you know, trusting him and being plugged into the vine, right? Because I think in John 15, if I can read it, it says something about abiding in the vine, right? Because God has made us, uh, let me see if I can get it, John 15, it says, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And faithfulness is actually a fruit, right? So if it's a fruit, it's us trusting in God's word and abiding in God's word, actually meditation on God's word, being in the vine. And as we are in the vine, guess what happens? What God has created in our spirit starts to come out. And now people start seeing that, okay, when I see this person, I see Christ in them, right? Because Christ is faithful.
to have to be faithful for you to have like to grow in faithfulness you have to have a good relationship with God and we can also um we can do this by studying the word of God diligently um um praying so that God can open our eyes of understanding to um to his for to his words for us yeah so just you know staying in the word and letting that to fortify you build you up you know to reach that capacity to be faithful um that being said so when we read the parable of the talents and you know he's talked about to one he gave five talents to one he gave two talents and to one he gave one talent and the same way each of us god gave us talents each person is so different one person is um loves music from the day they were born and the other person is more focused on you know I, I, let me just give an example my sister she's an administrative type of person and it's funny i didn't realize that till i started to understand god's gifts but there are certain people that are more like administrative they want to have things in a structured way they want to have things um right and that's a gift from God. There's some people that are speakers. They like to speak. They like to teach. They like to explain things to people. There's some people that are um, singers. There's all sorts of different gifts that God can give to people. And then besides that, there's the time, the relationships that he gives us. So how can we take what God has given us, whether it be five talents, two talents, one talent, to double that up and produce more out of what we were given? How can we actually be faithful to the point where he comes back and we produced five more talents or two more talents or one more talent? I, I would just say, like, um, you know, every every single one of us in Christ, every even in this entire world, God has given us all talents, right? Um, some people are good at singing. Some people are good at whatever it is. But I, I, I think the key thing from that parable of the talent is that there were people who invested the talent that they, that they got, right? And then the one servant who just kept it to himself and didn't invest it. So whatever God has given you, you need to invest it. He has given you time. Invest your time wherever he has placed you, right? You can't produce anything if you don't invest, even in this natural world, right? Like business people, they will invest their money to reap more money, right? Um, so it goes the same thing spiritually. Even if you want to grow spiritually, you, want to, you need to invest time to be able to you know, spend time in God's word, spend time in prayer to deepen your relationship with God. You can't just sit in one place and say, I want to grow spiritually and expect it to just happen. It's not going to happen, right? So for you to produce more fruit, you actually need to invest what God has given you. What is it? Your time, your finance, missions work, is a huge thing. People need to hear about Jesus, right? There's um, your talents. Is it God? Is God prodding you to like join choir or production? Ooh, ooh, you know, <laughs> or is he? Wh where is he calling you to? Right. So you need to invest whatever talent it is into that thing that God is calling you to, and then God will be the one to produce the fruit, right? I, I remember like a scripture where it says like I think it was a Paul that was talking, he says, um, Paul is like, I planted or something at Apollo's water, then God, you know, made it grow. You get what I mean? Like, is you have to actually invest something for God to grow. If you don't invest anything, there's nothing for God to grow. 
Praise the Lord. Um, when I know that I was going to be here today, that I'm going to be here today, and when Pastor was teaching on Sunday, Pastor Victor, and I was listening to him, and the Spirit said, the answer to one of the questions that is going to come is in this teaching. And now that he asked this question, something came to my mind. Remember David, right? David was in the, he was in the bush, tending to the sheep, right? And in doing that, that was what was handed to him. So what I'm trying to say here is this. Nothing, whatever God has handed into your hand is not small. Never consider anything that God asks you to do as small or as, as unbefitting or as not, not where I want to be. Because whether they got five talents or one talent, that's the reason for that. Praise the Lord. What I'm trying to say here is this. David was trained. If you listen to Pastor last time, if you, if you've not, if you were not here and you've not listened to that, please go back and listen to that. While he was tending sheep, there were people training to fight Goliath, using all the armory that is available, training sophisticated to beat Goliath. While David was in the bush, fighting with the, uh, with the lion and the bear, being trained by God in God's own way. Praise the Lord. So when it comes to the point where who is going to kill this man? This boy who has been trained. And if you listen to pastor, you find out that the guy enumerated what he has done by the grace of God to, the, to King Saul. And that was what gave him the very faith that he's going to beat this man. So what I'm saying here is this. He was trained. While others were doing all the big things, he was trained somewhere else. And he took that training and he learned and he trusted God. And the same God he trusted in the small is the same God that made him see Goliath dead. Even before he threw that stone, he has seen a dead Goliath. Praise the Lord. So for the big thing, God might start you very small. And if you take it, you are actually going to strive to wherever he wants you to get as long as you trust in him and believe in his, in his power. Praise the Lord. Okay, I also wanted to add something. Um, there is also something called diligence right? Sort of sounds like faithfulness. Um, that is also key. I think there's a scripture that says a diligent hand, um, something about a diligent hand not lacking food. So it, it's key, right? If whatever you're doing for God, you just make sure that you, you be diligent in whatever it is, right? So that you're not slacking or you're not lazy because God doesn't like someone that's lazy. Whatever he has committed into your hands, he expects you to be diligent. I think there's another scripture that says it's required of a steward to be faithful, right? And I think they kind of go hand in hand. So if you want to see increase, I think that was what the question said, right? Yes, if you want to see increase, the only, I think based on scripture, the scripture tells us that you should be diligent in that little that has been given to you. If you have that little thing and you're showing diligence, when the time comes, it's promotion that comes, that doesn't come from anywhere, it comes from God, right? There's a scripture that says promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but it comes from God. So when it's time for him to promote you, he will come and pick you 
and, and puts you where he wants. And promotions come in different forms. It's either increasing what he has committed into your hands because he can trust you with more. Amen? Can I add, when it talks about, um, when it talks about stewards, right, I, I just want to make sure that everybody is clear on who a steward is, right? Everybody in the body of Christ is a steward. You're a steward. God has given you something. So don't count yourself out and say, like, okay, maybe he's talking about, you know, those people are preaching or something. No, every single one of us is a steward of whatever God has handed to us. And then when you said it's that scripture that says, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. It is required. So it's a requirement of your, you being a steward that you should be found faithful. So it's not counting you out. Everybody in the body of Christ should be faithful. You just mentioned that it was, it's part of the fruit of the spirit. Every one of us have that fruit in us. So we, we actually need to grow it, like, in terms of trusting God in the work that God is, you know, like how God is cultivating us. We need to yield ourselves to that, like, growth and the work that the spirit is doing in us. Because if we don't, like, we often end up not being faithful. Um, and there's, there's something about diligence because I, I just really want to encourage us, like, when we are diligent, sometimes we don't see the fruit of the labor, right? You don't see it immediately. Don't get weary in doing good, right? Continue at it. Be faithful in doing that thing because in due season, God himself will be the one to reward you, right? Because, you know, people, you know, let me just use young people as an example, right? Like, you might be young and you're in church all the time, but your friends are, you know, out there, you know, like going to the movies, partying, doing whatever, right? But you're in church serving faithfully. Or wherever God has called you, you're serving there faithfully. Don't get tired. Don't look at people and say like, oh, like these people are doing this. I don't have time to join them or anything. Don't, don't do that. Just continue where God has placed you. And you see how he will take you above your peers. Because you are just diligent and faithful to do what he has called you to do. Wow, that's awesome. So it seems like we're all kind of standing. It's all about being faithful in um, just like that verse talks about, if you're faithful in the little, you will also I think the mic is cutting off. But if you're faithful in the little, you will also be faithful in that which is um, greater. Um, that being said, so like we know that God trains us in uh, before He gives us something. What does that training process? What can that look like? What you know? What is training? Because you know, I think it, it might look different for each person when you look at Moses. People say that he was trained in the desert for like 40 years. David, you guys said um, he was trained killing the bear, killing the lion. So what is a training process like for a Christian? Yeah. Hello. Okay. Yeah, this mic working. Um, that's a very good, very good point, training process. And I will share a little bit about my story. So when I came to America in SS County College, I sat down um, at the front of the campus and um, what was going through my mind was, I, need, I want to join a Christian community on this campus. And um, before I knew it, a guy um, and a girl came, they fly about the Christian um, Fellowship Club immediately. I said, yes. 
So that was my first opportunity. That was like that was the time that God called um, called me, and I um, I just took the honor to join. And I was attending the um, every Friday they have this um, have the, the, the fellowship because I just don't want to um, just I don't I just don't want to come to church and my life just um, my Christianity just ends at church. I want to also carry it to campus. And after one semester, um, the the president graduated, so the vice president um, became the president. So they interviewed me, and um, they interviewed me, and they found out that they, this is a, this is someone that wants to grow spiritually. So they made me the vice president. So that was one part um, of the training. Um, I'm going to read Genesis 12 um, from here. Right, I'm bringing it easy to read version. Genesis. Genesis 12. And, and uh, Genesis 12, 1 and 1 and 4. And the Lord said to Abraham, leave your country and your people, leave your fa father's family and go to the country that I will show you. And 4 says, so Abraham left Aaron just like the Lord said, and Lord went with him. So, it's not about this calling because when it's like you have to have that obedience because God, God, God won't tell you what will happen in the future. Um, he won't, he won't, he will just, he will tell what's up in the future. But if God answers, um, I don't know the right word to put like it. Basically, but, after you've kind of answered, then you will know more details type of thing. Is that what you're saying? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so for the, the training process, when I became the vice president, the training process for me was, um, it was, it was, I, I mean, I was suffering in the beginning because um, I was just beginning my life. I was just beginning my, like, my Christian, my Christian life and just um, following God. Yeah. And, um, and um, God, God did it for me. So I read one, uh, one, one Bible on verse, one Bible chapter, um, which is First Peter 5, verse 10. First Peter 5 verse 10. And he said, yes, you will suffer for a short time, but after that, God will make everything right. And I, I was to share a little bit about my suffering. So every semester we have this NSO, which is New Student Outreach. You go around the campus to share the love of God on campus and we'll get reply, we'll get answers that, like um, students will tell me that, they don't believe in this God, like all these answers. But I just found, I me, mean, I didn't take it to heart because I just found out that, that God is trying to train me to really, to really know him, I really stand by him. But, um, but I just kept trusting in God and that thing really built me. And one thing I learned about being the vice president that, that was, was that God was not only using me to serve people on that campus, he was also, um, he was also, Making me, making me to know him more. Like, um, when be, being the vice president, I, I, I started like spending more time reading this scripture. So it was a way for God to um, connect, connect me. So the training process might be, might be like a suffering, might be, um, might be difficult. It's, as I said, it's one of the most difficult parts. Everyone is still being trained, um, but. Um, there's one thing, one thing I, I, I wrote this in my note that, that made, uh, made me that I'm still using this as part of my training life, which is faith, obedience, hope, and love. So once we can 
tap into these resources, the, the training, every, the training will get easier. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So it's, uh, you know, like you said, it could be tough sometimes in the training, but you have to kind of stay true to it. And yeah, Chuka, you're going to say something. Yeah. So, um, so trainings, I think for each person, like you rightfully said, I mean, it takes different shapes and forms, right? Um, for each person, I mean, what might be training for me might be something different for Adana and for other people. So, but I think with training, one thing to always bear in mind is that, like the example you gave about Moses, it's almost like he, he was 40 years um, in Egypt. After the 40 years in Egypt, he left, um, he got chased because he killed somebody, killed somebody in trying to carry out a vision that, I mean, he, he had about delivering um, the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt. And what happens? He was trying to do it by his own strength. He was trying to do it um, by his own arm. And we know that the Bible says, the arm of man shall not prevail. So he leaves there, 40 years in the wilderness. What, what is he doing? He's helping his father-in-law do what? Rear sheep, right? So I think in there, God was just training him, telling him that, you know, your arm can't do anything. You have to depend on me. So in a nutshell, I think training for everybody is... Is, is, is a time, and it's continuous, it's not something that is just an instant, it's something that you keep doing for the rest of your life. God is training you, why? To bring out the image of Christ in you. That's how I see it. The image of Christ is the destiny of every Christian, right? That image that is in your spirit needs to come out on the outside, you know? So after, um, after that 40 years, he now, God then called him and told him, okay, now go and say this to Pharaoh. And guess what? He was... He was like, oh, God, I can't do it by my own strength. But 40 years before, he was able, he was trying to do it by his own strength. So he had learned something that I can't do this by my own strength. And God told him, I will go with you. You know, God said, revealing himself to him. So I think um, and I believe that the training process for every Christian, there are things in your life that God wants you to put off. And I think that's what it says in Ephesians 4. Put off these things. Right, put off the old man, the, the, the you trying to do things by your own strength, you know, trying to reason things out with your own mind, trying to do things without depending on the arm of the Lord. Because the key thing here is the arm of the Lord. It's the arm of the Lord that does everything. Whether, it's, whether you, you being as a mom at home, you know, taking care of your children, or being serving in church, or whatever it is, he is expecting you to what? to depend on the arm of the Lord. It's his right hand that has done all these things. And by the grace of God, as we yield ourselves and go on, I mean, yield ourselves to the spirit of God, then he starts to manifest all these things that he's trying to teach us to us. Amen. Wow. So that's, you know, you said two things that amazed me. One is that the training process is actually supposed to bring out the character of Christ in us. It's not really all about, okay, oh, I'm training to be the best, you know, singer or whatever it may be um, that we could use as an example. It's not necessarily all about the talent. A lot of it is about character or the character of Christ that God is producing in us. And he talks about, you know, the Bible talks about in James 1, be patient 
in trials, count it all joy. And then he, sa- he says that these things are perfecting us. That God actually cares about that perfecting because he trains each person to be a representative of him. When they see you then in that place, he wants you to actually look like him. And that, that's the main thing. That's one of the main things about training is he's molding you in more and more into his image. And but a lot of times we may think it's oh it's all about like oh, the you know we're looking at the skill the skill is also part of it I think but a lot of it has to do with the character and the image of Christ in us and the second thing that was amazing that you said and hopefully I remember <laughs> no the second thing you said was um anyways yes that's it oh uh, Adana you want to add something um I just want to add it's important for us to recognize when we are in training too. Because when we don't recognize it, we often fight against it, right? Like when we don't recognize that God is training us, it's so easy. For example, if God is training you to love people more, right? And you're like, uh, people keep stepping on you, stepping on you, just like, what kind of nonsense is this? Like you just, you, you don't even recognize that that is a training period for you to just yield, humble yourself, even though you are offended, Humble yourself and just love because you can win a soul that way, right? So it's, it's good that we recognize when we're being trained so that we can be yielded to God and actually get the thing, get the, um, the knowledge or the, the experience that he wants us to get through that training or the growth that he wants us to get through that training. And also, um, training comes to you also because sometimes... Most of the times, God has purposed something to be achieved by that training. There's a purpose for the training. It might be in 20 years. It might be in 40 years. But as long as you're steadfast, that purpose will come to fruition. And probably the way you start the training and you see the way the purpose for it, you can never put two of them together because they'll be the polar opposite of each other. For instance, when the Joseph... Trouble started when, when they sold him out. He was, he was being trained to be positioned for the Israelites during the farming to be saved. But he went through everything. He went through temptations. He went through everything. But there was a purpose, and that purpose was achieved. So every training we go through, that's a purpose for it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Awesome. So each thing that is happening in our lives there's actually a purpose for it god is he turns everything for good now even to piggyback you know going back to the second thing that i wanted to add the second thing that you talked about was about trusting in him the training process teaches us to trust in god versus um our own strength or our own ability because in the training process you likely come to realize okay yeah um, i'm nice and everything but uh it's not gonna it's not gonna cut it it's not going to actually um, make the results happen. Only God actually brings the results. So it, it humbles us and it teaches us, okay, you, you really do need God and you need to trust in God. It's, it's crazy that you were being trained to trust God um, rather than our own self. You look at Moses and he thought that, oh, yeah, let me carry out this thing. But eventually he's like, no, I can't do it on my own. So that's, um, that's amazing. Um, also, now, is it okay for a Christian to be afraid 
you know, to take on something. Like, let's say God is calling you to do something. You know, sometimes people are afraid to step into that. Is that normal? Um, what should they do if that's the case? Because, you know, sometimes people don't want to, like, some people are kind of leery of serving in church or serving wherever God may be calling them to do. Is that normal or what is that, you know? Um, I think it's okay for people to be like, you know, for to take it to take on a certain role, I feel like it's okay to be afraid. I mean, we're human beings, we're flesh. But at the same time, I think in order to overcome the fear, we have to remember that we're God's children. We're created by God um, for his own good. And um, Ephesians 43 verse 1, it says, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, be not afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by my name, and you are mine. Um, I would also say for us to, um, there, are cer there are certain ways for us to overcome the fear. One, I will say um, through prayer. We can overcome the fear through prayer. We can literally go to God in prayer and then ask God to, like, you know, help us. Um, and also in the Bible says, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, don't worry about anything instead pray about everything tell god what you need and thank him for all he has done and once you pray to god you will then receive god's peace as it says in the next verse verse seven then you will experience god's peace which exceeds anything you can understand his peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in christ jesus the second point is to become. The Bible says in Psalm 46, verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. The other point is to stay focused. And St. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy. Um, I feel like as Christians, we need to realign our focus and we need to um, stop worrying and but consciously um, direct our thoughts to something new. We need to think of things that motivate us, um, that are true and that bring joy. This will also help us to overcome fear um, in God's way. Also, I feel like we also need to like practice this suggested, um, um, stu um, suggested stuff in order to overcome fear. The Bible says it also in Galatians chapter 8 verse 9. It says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. So if you... Continue to stay strong in God by praying, by being calm, and then turning our focus to God. He will, like, help us overcome that fear. And, yeah. Okay, so um, I agree with what Sumto um, said. Because a lot of times, if you think about it, right, what makes, what, what brings fear to one when you call like, when, even myself, when I was told, okay, you have to be this, maybe you have to be the church administrator, 
things of that sort, what brings fear to you when you start looking at the task ahead of you, right? And all of a sudden, you're magnifying the task. And what, what happens to you? You, you start forgetting what you, who you are. Start forgetting the identity that you have, right? So is it uncommon that people, yes, it's, it's not uncommon that people would be afraid, but don't stay there. Don't stay there. Make progress. Step out in faith and do what God has called you to do. If you know that God has called you to do that, just step out in faith and trust him because that's the key thing. Um, and I think every time maybe um, the, an angel of the Lord comes to somebody tells you, fear not, fear not. Yes, the task might look daunting to you. It might look overwhelming to you. However, don't fear. I am with you. The key thing there is, I am with you, trusting the one that is going to take you through that. He's not sending you by yourself. He has equipped you. The one that has called you has equipped you. So whatever it is um, that he's calling you to do, just step out in faith, trusting and knowing in whom you have believed. Because he that has started that good work in you will surely bring it to pass. Amen. Yeah, just to add to what um, Brother said, yeah, that was a good point. Um, and it's called analysis paralysis. When you look at the task ahead and try to analyze it, oh, I have to, I, I have to come to church at 7 a.m., I have to do this. So all those things make us... Um, make a, a believer get, um, be afraid. And there's another thing that when, when um, Somto and Brochika was, um, was speaking, that also make um, believers be afraid when they are called to do something. And that thing is, um, that, is that, 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 that thing is when they, um, when they remember their previous sin or think that uh, okay, the sins or, or the things I have done in the past is not making me worthy. So that that is also that was also called like that was that we also cause that fear and um and um this there was a um there was a yeah doing Sunday school I really learned learned this thing for Pastor Dorothy and she's and she she said something really important and that was um that even before we even ask for forgiveness God has already forgiven us because God has this internal grace God is graceful and merciful to forgive us or forgive all our sins. That was why Jesus died. Jesus was the mediator. And um, Pastor Chinedu also used to preach about something, too, that when you're, when, you're, um, when you're being called to do something, when you want to, when you want to pray, like you go to God with full confidence. Um, so if we can tap into this thing, that that confidence, even with speaking to God, also doing things for God, um, that will also limit the fear. And, and that is just it. Yeah, that's that's very important. It's important for us to, because sometimes, like you said, if somebody is called to do something, if God calls somebody to do something, you know, the person could be thinking about themselves like, oh, me, I'm not, you know, I'm not righteous or I'm not good and stuff like that. But that's them thinking about their own, you know, self versus the new nature they have in Christ. So that's that's awesome. And that's very important. Like you said, um, yeah, you want to add something? I, I just want to say, like, fear is not of God, right? Like, if you're having fear, you have to know who it's from. You have to know the source the, uh, the fear is from. Even if it's fear of doing something that is big, it's not from God. Because God is not full of fear. He's full of faith, right? So once that fear comes, we need to just, like, knock it down because he has not given us the spirit of fear, right? The spirit that you have 
is a spirit that is full of power can do a lot of things, right? So it, even for me, like I have to tell myself all that um, a lot of times, like at work, because there's a lot of things that might be given to you or handed to you, and you're like, oh my goodness, I have to manage these people. Oh my goodness, I have to talk to the vice president of this. Oh, no, but God is the one who created everyone. It says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. All the people in it, they belong to him. So like, who is it that you're afraid of? What is it that you're afraid of? God created everything, right? And he's the one who gives you ability to do those things. When we become afraid, it's because we're looking at us. And when we look at ourselves, it's like the boundary is like, it's so small. Like you can't really see anything big outside of that boundary. But when you're looking at God, everything becomes like big. It's possible, right? <laughs> like there's nothing impossible. So I just really want to encourage us to know that like fear is not of God. And when you see fear, you shut it down. Hallelujah. Awesome. Wow. I'm being blessed. I don't know about you. Um, so also when it comes to handling a lot of things, you know, because we live in this busy age we there are a lot of things that are important, yes. Um, but how can somebody gain capacity to handle more? You know, let's say the person is married, has children, um, is working in church, has a career that they're working into. They're doing a lot of different things at the same time. How can somebody gain capacity to handle a lot a lot of things at the same time and still be faithful in um, all those things? How does that happen? Praise the Lord. Uh, to me, I think the, uh, the main answer to that is it's not of you. The power to, to do uh, the things he has called you to do is not of you. Uh, if he has called you, he will make a way. He will always provide a means. Um, I think I, I, I spoke about this the other time. Um, for, for so many years, I was coming to church, and I wasn't, I wasn't involved. After service, I would just, would just walk away and just run away. Um, my wife would ask me, why are you always running to the car after service? Why can't you just stay for a few minutes and at least know people in the church? I would go to the men's meeting, and I would stay at the back. Once they're done, I'm, I'm gone. I don't even know anybody's name. But one day, I said, God, I want to be useful in your house. That was, I didn't kneel down. I did not, I just said that. And within one week of saying it, Pastor Victor came, gave me an um, event coordinator for the men. Uh, Brochinedu came and brought me into the secretariat. Uh, Bro Felix came and brought me into drama ministry. Everything happened in one week after I said that. Now, when all that started happening, I did not even say no to any of them. I said yes. Because I know that it's answer to my prayer. And if he has made it this way, he's going to make it work. But was it easy? No. It actually got worse. Because it now conflicted with my job. And my job means I have to go to people's homes. I have to talk to them. And sometimes I'll map out one hour and I'll spend two hours in the person's house. If I'm supposed to be doing something in the church or men's ministry... I will not even make it. I will be rushing sometimes. And one day I was rushing back to the men's ministry before the uh, uh, men's ministry, cabinet meeting before the, the retreat. And I was saying, God, 
you, you called me to do all these things, but I don't have time to do them. How am I going to, you know, be effective in your work? And that was it. I didn't, that's nothing else I did. All of a sudden, as time goes up, my job stopped. That job I had stopped. And I thought, wow, now it's even worse. Right? But from nowhere, a new job came up where I have to decide the time I'm going to work, decide the days I'm going to work, and decide how much I'm going to be paid. Praise the Lord. And now I do the same job that nobody thinks you can do with, you know, uh, five to, uh, nine to five. I do that same job nine to five. I do it 80% remote. I get paid more. I don't work weekends. Saturday and Sunday I don't work. What does that mean? That everything the Lord has handed to me, I have the time and the resources to do it and do it well. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So God makes a way when he tells you to do that. He's going to provide you that opportunity to be able to do that. It's what I'm hearing. Okay. I'm just going to give a, a little story of my life. Um, so when we, well, to answer the question, right, like I, I think it goes back to the training that God gives, right? Because sometimes God has already trained you to be able to handle multiple things. And for some people, maybe it's not to handle multiple things because we, we overcommit ourselves. And that's often why we're not faithful, right? Um, but I remember when um, I was serving in the youth, at that time it was the youth ministry before, before it became a rising generation. Um, and I was the president. And for the most part, I was doing almost everything. Right, I was handling so much that I was like, God, like, what is this? What did you put me into? Like, why am I here? Like, I was, I was questioning a lot of things during that time, <laughs> and um, but I was diligently doing those things anyway. And fast forward, how many years after? And right now, right now, there are so many things that I'm handling, and I'm doing it with ease. Even though, like, at that time, I was like, God, why? But I still, I still stayed and said, God, like, I know that you will give me the ability to do these things. And he was training me to be uh, able to handle multiple things at the same time. Like, it was like I was doing the, almost every role. And that, you know, you guys know now, Rising Generation right now, we have, like, social media. We have um, all the teams, right? So it felt like I was doing everything. But now... At this current time, I'm, I'm actually, like, I'm a manager at my work, and I'm managing multiple people, right, at this current time. But I also have a business on the side, right? And I'm also doing that. And I, I'm doing things in church. How do you have time to do all of these things? It's not my own power. It's because God himself trained me, gave me the ability to do those things. So I really want to say, like, it goes back to the training that God has been giving you. So, like, pay attention to, like, those training. Even something that Brokey said, he said that, you know, he prayed that God, you know, like, I want to be involved in church. I want to be able to do these things. And then you recognize that it was God that sent Pastor Victor, that sent this person, that sent that person. So, like, a lot of things that we pray for, we also have to recognize when it's God. Because sometimes when it comes, we just, like, we, we are thinking it's not God. It's not God that sent. Because we're not really aware of what the spirit is doing. So like be aware of the things that you're praying for and what God is doing. Praise the Lord. 
Hallelujah. My follow-up question, did you have to cut off, like, a lot of things in order to, you know, do that? You know, what what did it look like for you handling all of that, you know, at that time? <laughs> oh, I didn't I didn't have to cut off anything. It just it just became I just became a multitasker. Um and to be honest, it's not my own strength to be able to do it. And sometimes you do have to sacrifice. Like a lot of times I wake up very early in the morning, right? To do a lot of these things. And at the end of it, like I'm I'm still able to like keep living my life. I'm not like, oh my gosh, I can't go on today. Because God has given me the ability to do those things and it becomes easier to do them. Okay. Yeah. Uh one thing I want to add there is also this. Know what has been committed into your hand. Know what God has called you to do. And don't go doing what is another person has been called to do. There are people that they want to do everything. For whatever reason, they want to be involved in everything. And at the end of the day, you find out that they are not even uh, effective in one, one of them. So know what you're called to do and stick to what you're called to do. And you will do it and the Lord will always equip you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So it's not about, you know, stacking up or I'm doing all of this. It's about where does God want you at the time. Yeah, and, and I agree with, but okay, because, I mean, it's, I think sometimes it does happen that way whereby, you know, you find yourself, maybe somebody calls you, do this, do this for me, and you want to please people. Try not to get yourself in that way. Always go back to God. If God gave it to you, you have to recognize that this is God giving it to me, and I'm going to do it because he has already given me that ability to do it, right? And you're not depending on your own strength. You would, you would yield to what he's saying. And if he hasn't given it to you, you had asked that another question. If he hasn't given it to you, ask him for wisdom to cut it off. And just cut it off. Because the, the thing you'll find yourself, you, you see it becomes a distraction to where God is trying to take you. Or the training that God is trying to, you know, uh, uh, bring forth in your life. What he's trying to build in your life. All you start noticing is that you, you carry so many things and you're losing your joy, you're losing your peace. In the midst of all those things, you're having headaches, sleepless nights, and you're not doing what God has committed into your hands to do with joy. You want to narrow it down and say, God, I just want, because you know he has called you and he's faithful. Being able to just yield to him to just do that one that he has sent, he has put in your path to do, will result in the image that he's trying to create in you to come forth. Amen? Amen. Awesome. So, um... For the person that may feel like, you know, serving God, you know, takes up a lot of time, man, you know, oh, man, that's, these guys spend so much time at church. They go to church three times a week. Oh, my God. You know, for somebody that feels like serving God may be a waste of time, you know, how can, what do you have to say to that? Is serving God a waste of time? Has it, you know, transformed your life in any way? Has it produced anything, you know, for you? What, what's the benefits of serving God? So th this question really, um, really hit me, and I I have something like a few things to say. Um, so th this word, um, this word made it that this word put this um, put a kind of impression that um, if you don't if you don't gain wealth, if you don't gain um, success in everything, um, you that means you have wasted your time on earth. Um, but but God God but God but 
in the, in the eyes of God is not that way. And um, and I just put something in my notes. And um, in the eyes of God, um, God will reward you in two things, right? Earthly reward and heavenly or eternal reward. And I will go to the um, the life of Stephen. So there's a very important thing I want to read um, from Stephen in Acts, Acts 54. At 54, sorry. At 54. Oh, no, it's not 54. I think it's 24. 24. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I put the wrong verse. But, um, but uh, because I read it, so it's, it's, it's when they were about to stone Stephen, I'm just paraphrasing it, when they were about to stone Stephen, so Stephen looked up um, to the sky and saw the, the heaven open. And um, Stephen, was, um, Stephen was really amazed. And um, at that point, if, one thing that I, I took, um, took note of was that at that point, Stephen knew that, um, that his life on earth was not wasted. That um, he's going to, there's, a, there's another reward. He might not get it on earth. Jesus didn't die, die as a rich man. Jesus was on earth. So Stephen knew that that reward was um, in heaven. So, and, and once we um, believers start to think that even though we don't gain wealth, we don't gain things in, in this world, but our reward is in heaven, then that's when we realize that serving God is not a waste of time. The reward is in heaven. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, but even on earth here, um, we keep saying the, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Uh, we, we know that, we know, we know that the grace of God upon our lives is, is immense. Um, as parents, we can, we can testify to that in this church. There are so many parents that are always, always crying for one kid or the other. But here, you find out that even the kids, when you see them here doing things, it gives you joy. At least that joy that you bring them to the, uh, to the house of God and they're part of it, right? And also, I think also we also cause that issue in the world. Because when we Christians go out there and we don't show the joy of the Lord, somebody who is not a Christian looking at you says, if that is how Christianity is, I'm not going. You're wasting your time. I don't want to waste my time. Because we carry a bud, we carry something like a burden on our head every time, even though Christ has said that his yoke is light. But we make it, we make it so feel so difficult to serve God that people looking at us say, Yeah, I think you're wasting your time. So we should be more joyful. We should show the joy of the Lord in us out there in the world so that the world will know that there is, even here on earth, that's a blessing that comes with serving God. Praise the Lord. How do you show that? You show that by doing what God said. Be anxious for nothing. Even when it looks, the whole world looks like it's crumbling around you, let, the, let everybody see the strength in you. Mm. Know who you believe. And know who you are too. Know how to speak to things. And know how to say things when others are saying negative things. Know who you believe. Say say. That your Lord, who has promised you his peace, will come to do what he says he would do. Let the world see that joy. And you know, you, you know, even when somebody says something, um, as in 
God is this, God is that. Let that person see you and see that you serve a living God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's awesome. Because in this world, the, Jesus told us, he said, in this world, you shall see trials, you know, you shall see troubles. But if you've seen God come through before, if you've seen God come through before in a hard time, and then he comes and shows himself, you know, you have to just, he said, count it all joy. We have to specifically, intentionally decide to count it all joy. Like just, just you know, be happy and be joyful even in trials because God will show himself strong. The more, the more it looks, the more um, it looks, it gets worse or it looks bad. It, it, you know, the greater the miracle is going to look when it actually happens. Um, I was listening to something the other day and it was talking about the angel that came to Mary and said, oh, thou art favored, right? She's favored, but yet when the Holy Spirit, when she gets pregnant by the Holy Spirit, the village is probably like, what? Who, who, you know, they're probably all looking at her like, how did you get pregnant? It was probably a whole issue. The family of the guy probably, you know, th thought twice, what kind of woman is this? But there's a period of trial sometimes. There's a period of trouble when in reality is actually God's hands could sometimes be in that. He's allowing some things to happen, but in the end, he's going to get his glory out of it. And it's the truth. I've seen it happen in my life. I've seen it. I've seen it in the word of God. And, you know, by God's grace, we'll stay strong and we'll stay strong in trials. We will stay joyful. We will keep standing on God's word, on what he said. And God will always show himself strong in our lives. Amen. Um, okay, let's just let's just ask one more question and then we'll we'll close with that. So what are the keys, I guess, of serving God joyfully, retaining your happiness, being at peace in your service? What are the keys for that? Um, one, one is knowing what, knowing what, when what you ask for has been given. And two, when you've received it, to know that you've received it, and enjoy it. Praise the Lord. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I think it's Matthew 14, um, when um, the disciples were in the boat and Christ was walking on water. And Peter saw him walking on water. And Peter said, if it is you, you know, make me walk on water, right? Do we know that that was a prayer request by Peter? It was Peter that asked. It wasn't God, that, it wasn't Christ that said, hey, walk on water. It was Peter that asked. Can I make me walk on water? Now, Christ said, yeah, you can. And he came out and he started walking on water. But all of a sudden, he took his eyes off what he has received. And what happened? He started sinking. Praise the Lord. Now, a lot of times when we, what we ask come to us, we, we tend to make it a cause instead of a blessing. When, when we ask for something and we receive it, once we, when we receive it, we move our eyes off that instead of being joyful now we see those things as for instance you 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 ask god for a job god gave you a, a very good job but now that job has become a reason for you not to actually serve god anymore right because now that blessing you've moved your eyes from the person that gave it to you and now you're moving your eyes somewhere else to the storm and what's going to happen you're going to sink Praise the Lord. So being, ha being happy in what God has given you is keeping your eyes on he that gave it to you 
and knowing that he blesses you and he blesses makes rich and add no sorrow. And once you believe that and you stay focused on him, your joy will continue to be full. Praise the Lord. In, in addition to what Brother K said, um, this scripture keeps popping up in my mind. The, you know, it says give give without um, give without pressure, right? Like it's I don't I don't remember where it is. Give willingly, but it's it's give willingly from your heart. For God loves a cheerful giver, right? Why is God telling us to give willingly? Because unwillingness leads on <laughs> unhappiness. Right? Like when you're not willingly given something, right? Like when you're not serving willingly, when you're not like, it leads to unhappiness, right? And you're doing it grudgingly. You're not, it doesn't give glory to God in any way. And you yourself, you're losing your joy over it. So you, you have to like, before you even commit to anything, make sure it's something that you decided in your heart that you're going to commit to, Right? And, and that's another way to keep your joy because then you're doing that thing cheerfully. You're doing it with joy. Um, and then if you, if you notice that you don't have joy in doing something, God has called you to do it, go back to God in prayer and say, God, like, I'm not joyfully doing this thing. I need your help, right? Be real with him. Like, I, I need your help. You've called me to do, I, I know you have called me to do this thing. You called me to serve here. You called me in this family. You called me, wherever it is, like, you can put it in, in that space. But, Lord, I'm not happily doing it. I'm not joyfully doing it. Please help me to understand how I can joyfully do it, right? So that, that's another way. Cheerfully do whatever you're doing. It's not only money and giving money, but in giving your time and giving your service. If you're cheerfully doing it because you've decided in your heart that you're going to do it, then it becomes easy to just be joyful in doing that thing. So be cheerful, like do do what you want to do. Um, you know, commit to things that you're doing willfully. Uh, that way, your permission is out of your own volition that you're agreeing to do this, and you won't be regretting it because you know you chose to do it. Do it joyfully. Do it cheerfully. You know, and. The fruit God in us also is propelling us and pushing us and inspiring us to do what He's called us to do. The Spirit of God in us and that faith in Him in us helps us to continue to be joyful in what we're doing too. Just to add to um, everything um, everyone said, um, something came up to my mind uh, when you're working for God, um, also show love to like. Um, to show love and have an open heart and always smile too. Because um, truly, uh, you might not just be serving God joyfully, but just because of that love, just because of that love, that someone else who's losing their joy in serving the Lord can, can just um, can, can pick up the joy. And I will give you an example. Um, anytime I go to Mark, Pastor Chinedu Emmanuel, after I finish micing him, he, he asks me, so those those kind of things like it keeps me motivated. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So, so it keeps me motivated. So that's one thing I learned from him: that love in the heart. And he's also, I I mean, I, like I've noticed in, in him too. He's also keeping him motivated and also serving us too. So um, that smile and keeping up his smile and open heart is really help you to serve God joyfully too. 
Oh, that's wonderful. You know, just doing it out of your heart and just enjoying it, choosing. It's an attitude thing, too. You choose how you feel about it and you bring your best positive attitude. Yeah, so, and in addition, just like he was saying, um, when you're serving, do as much as you can by the grace of God to do what is um, so joy. Because guess what? Whatever you sow kind of comes back to you, right? If you sow joy, you're going to reap joy, right? If you sow with the right attitude, you're going to reap with the right attitude. I mean, God says he's not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that he shall reap. So um, just be motivated by love that this is, I'm doing this for my father, will go a long way. And knowing who has called you and who you're serving, he's not a man that he will lie, right? So you put out, you, you put out your best foot forward all the time, trusting that, you know, he's seeing what you're doing and he's a diligent rewarder and he's going to make things come back to you. Amen. I was just going to add, like, enjoy what you do, like, you're not going to keep on doing what you don't enjoy. So as long as you continue to serve, that means you're enjoying serving God. So just continuously, like, enjoy it with, like what um, Favor said, enjoy it with an open heart, you know, and then, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Wow, um, I've been blessed by this discussion on faithful stewardship. Uh, I think we can, you know, kind of close right here. What I got out of it, I would say, is a lot of things is about trusting God. Um, just trust God and what he's calling you to do and do what God wants you to do. Um, trust God even while you're doing it. It's not our own strength. It's God that inspires us and gives us the ability to do the things that he's called us to do. And just, you know, keep our joy and happiness and peace while we're doing it by staying focused on him. Um, I'm going to close us in prayer. Oh, you know what? Let's have bro. Okay, close us in prayer. Yeah, before we close. I, I just have one thing to say before we close. We talked about faithfulness, right? And I, I really want us to know how important faithfulness is to God. It's so important to God. Like, as, as a Christian, as his child, he's calling you to a life of faithfulness. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for ministers. It's not just for teachers. Every single one of us is are called to a life of faithfulness because in us being faithful, we are actually showing honor to God. We're honoring him. And honor is important to God. God honors those who honor him. And if you have not been faithful in the things that you have been called to do, this is like, and this is like God is like literally talking to you right now that you need to start being faithful in those things. You need to, like, if it's that you're a teacher and you're not coming on time. If it's that you're serving somewhere and people are not able to rely on you. God is calling you to a life of faithfulness. Because whatever you're giving to God, you're, you're just showing up anyhow. And you're saying, like, oh, God, this is my offering to you. How does that look to your heavenly father? Right? It's, it's like you're just... I think it's a story that a pastor told one time that sometimes we take, you know, we don't really count the offering that we're going to give to God. We kind of just put our hand in our pocket and just whatever comes out, and we're like, oh, okay, let me just give it. You didn't really think or prepare well for it. But God is really calling us to, like, think very well. What I'm doing, is it honoring me? Is it an, on, like, honorable sacrifice to God? 
an honorable offering to God. And in, within the church, actually, a lot of people are not faithful. A lot of people are not faithful, but God is calling us to that life of faithfulness because God honors those who honor him. Praise the Lord. Awesome, awesome. Praise the Lord. And um, before I pray, uh, I just want to also remind us that being faithful in everything that we do, both in church and out of church and where you work, is your biggest evangelism in the kingdom of God. When people see you're faithful, they will ask questions. They will, they will emulate you. All those things that you do that nobody sees, you think nobody sees, I'm telling you, even in secret, your heavenly father will reward you. Praise the Lord. In Jesus' name, heavenly father, Lord, we thank you. Father, this discussion today is not an accident. There is a reason for it. And I know, heavenly father, Lord, that that reason has been achieved multiple folds in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, you've spoken to us, and I know you've spoken to many. Let your spirit do what it does best in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord, that without you, Heavenly Father, Lord, we can do nothing. Father, faith is a gift given to us. Heavenly Father, let the world see us and see you in us, in everything that we do, in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that this evening has gone so well. And Heavenly Father, we know that we are blessed beyond our imaginations, in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, take all the glory. All the glory, Heavenly Father, Lord, be ascribed unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.